Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 614. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Oops. More music. More music. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, what's on today's show, my darling? We are going to talk about anxiety, comma, experienced. Anxiety, comma, experienced. I'm glad that we're talking about anxiety because it just seems that everything that any of us ever struggle with anxiety is usually somewhere in there. And that's kind of why I want to talk about it because I think that we need better language Mm -hmm. to discuss it. Okay. So I think that maybe this might help. Um, But first you, uh, there's a few things I want to promote with men living, but first and foremost, I want to talk about September 15th. Yes. What happens on September 15th? So on September 15th, which is happens to be a Wednesday, I am, and this is like a publishing world thing. I don't know if this is very exciting for anybody else. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Buckle up, everybody. But I finally get to reveal my book cover and just my book comes, is like available to purchase. On September 15th. Now, when I say it's Hold available... Hold on, I'm not done clapping. Oh, okay, now I'm done. I don't mean you can get it right away. It doesn't come out till February. February 1st. But it can. you can actually like pre-order it and you can, can see us, the cover. Can they give us a good review on it even before they order it and ever read a single word, sweetie? I, I don't think that makes any sense. Makes no sense. But you know what? Let's do this. When people start reviewing a book they haven't looked at yet, it's confusing. Sweetie, I would um, review it and I'd say it's the best book ever. Well, I think it's a very timely book. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It's been like four years. Like, really, how do you encapsulate 10 years of Zen Parenting Radio, Todd, in a book? How do you do that? I don't know, because I did the math, and it wasn't hard. We'd done 600 episodes. Let's average an hour an episode. That's 6,000 hours of things that you and I have talked about. I know. And how do you reduce that into a book? I don't know. I'll be interested, because I have not yet read it. And when the, what's that thing called, when the the pretend book shows up? The galley copy. The galley copy, mm-hmm. also known as the pretend book. Well, it's not pretend. It's just got, it's still not completely edited. It's yeah. for people who are reviewing it. I'm going to read that as soon as the galley copy comes in, and uh, then I'm going to write a good review on it. Even oh, if I can't, you. I'm going to. I'll figure out a way. Are you going to say this? these two get it? These two get Todd it. decided to review our own show 10 years ago. and he, I was one of the first ones ever to review the show. <laughs> he wrote, these two get it, but you could see that the review was from Todd. So I don't know how impactful that yeah. review was of yourself. I didn't know how to make myself anonymous. I was just trying to get the floodgates opened. I know. And then you opened them. So anyway, September 15th, I'll be talking about it. By the way, regarding reviews, um, one of the things that I'm most proud of, or at least the thing that I think is the easiest way for me to communicate what this podcast means to me and maybe to our audience is just looking at the reviews. Like there's, I think we've got like 600 of them. They're so heart centered and you know, there's a few that are bad ones, but 98% of them are good. And I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening to this show. We wouldn't be doing it without you. Actually, that might not be true. Even if nobody listened to the show. We we wouldn't have probably kept going without all of the support. So anyways, uh, thank you for all that. Um, The two quick men living events I want to talk about is uh, Jason Samadis and Frank Nago are leading a workshop this Wednesday called Listening to Understand. So if you're a guy, sign up for this workshop. Um, It's 30 bucks, but if it's your first experience with men living, it's free. And if, if you're a woman, then you have a guy in your life that wants to be a better listener. It might be a good idea to have them tune in. And then next month, we just secured Dr. Alexandra Solomon. 
Um, she is our friend. She spoke at our conference. That's a good get. And she's speak, uh, she's leading a workshop for men living on September 28th. We're not quite sure. She's a um, sexuality and intimacy and partnership yeah, she's, professor. Yeah, she's a family therapist. Well, she's a relationship therapist. Yeah, mm-hmm. from Northwestern University. And we're not, we don't know what the title is going to be. It's either going to be From Performance to Pleasure, Becoming a Better Lover. Mm-hmm. The other one is Not Tonight. Sexual challenges and opportunities in long-term relationships. So we're just going to jump in the deep end and uh, have Dr. Solomon lead us in a workshop. So well, she's she's good. She'll put everybody right at ease yeah. because this is her. This is what she does. And she's starting a podcast, and she ah. asked me for a little support. So we're going to have her back on when the podcast is ready, so we can help you all find Dr. Solomon's podcast. So, but first. My sweetie does this thing called the Zen Parenting Moment, uh-huh. and we are going to talk about one that she just wrote called Ends and Beginnings. Ends and Beginnings. But but first, sweetie, oh no, you got to do this, okay? Because this is the quote. Um, you usually lead the Zen parenting moment with a quote, and that is the quote. Well, and I did not attribute it to semisonic closing time. No, you you attributed it to somebody called Lucius Aeneas Seneca. Because that's who said it. Is that it. like a Greek philosopher guy? Um, who is Seneca? He is. I think that's the Stoic guy. I think uh, what's his name? Uh, Tim Ferriss loves Seneca. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, let me see. Who is Seneca? He, yeah, Daily Stoic, you're right. A Stoic philosopher. Yeah, he's the one who said every new beginning comes from some other beginnings. I and thought it came from semi-sonic. <laughs> I think most people do. Yeah. But um, but that's what made it easy to sing to. So why did you write this, my darling? So, you know, honestly, Todd, I'm not going to really super get into this because I wrote it about JC going to college and she just left yesterday and I'm not ready to talk about it yet and not because, because there's just, I'm not ready. <laughs> It's just not time. And I have a, um, I think that when we are going through something that we need to go through it within ourselves first and with the people we trust the most. And, you know. uh, Sweetie, don't tell tell that to the Miami Housewives. Is that what the name of that show is called? You mean Real Housewives? Real Housewives, Miami Beach style. Well. Because they tend to go through things. I don't think they call it Miami Beach style. (laughs) I think they call it the new housewives they tend to or the go, real housewives. They tend so. to go through things in the public arena. Yeah. And I don't know if all of it's real. It's sweet. It says real housewives. That's true. It must be real. That's true. Well, let me just say that in my own personal experiences that I feel like I need to have time with things before I'm ready to talk about it. So I'm not really going to talk about too much except to say that I've been doing a very... Um, Good job of being a good Gen Xer. I've been listening to Morrissey in the car, and then I'll go from like it was funny today. I I was in the car and I really was listening to Morrissey. It happened to come on, mm. so it was like every day is like Sunday, and then Suede Head came on, and I was like, this is just perfect for my mood. But then I just changed the channel real quick, and Dream Police by Cheap Trick came on, mm-hmm. and that's like such a different mood, and I went with it. Mm. Do you like Dream Police by Cheap Trick? Uh, how's it go? 
Oh my God, Todd. I know, I know I've heard it, but hold on. I got to, I was going to say, how, how do you not know? But the, the thing is, is that I think that's what I can say today. Come on. I've heard it, but it's not one of my top three cheap trick songs. Well, I had a good time moving from Morrissey to Dream Police, but I was still being a good Gen Xer because I was still in the right um, time zone, right? Not zone, time Period. generation. Generation. Yeah. So, you know, there's just a lot of feelings. And the thing that is nice about right now with people's kids going to college, a lot of my friends are sending their kids to college. Some are sending their second kid to college or third. Some of my friends are watching their children go into the world and move away because they've already graduated from college. And some Mm -hmm. people I know are sending their kids to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There is melancholy and, uh, or they're sending, actually, I got a bunch of emails from people who are sending their kids either to junior high Mm -hmm. or to high school and even that transition is pretty significant sweetie we should do a show on transitions we did last week yeah i was just trying to set you up there so i guess what i will say is that um that we just need to um take some time with our feelings about our oldest daughter being uh gone even though i've already talked to her i mean it's not like they're really gone they're just do you want to know what I've been struggling with? Yes. I know we're not going to talk about it, but okay. I'm going to talk about something. One thing. Um, I'm struggling with how much I want to reach out to her. Okay. And here's the struggle. Um, part of me is like, you know, it's her time to be on her own and blah, 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 and independence and going back to what happened in 1990 when I went to college and I didn't talk to my parents for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other part of me is like, oh my God, I could be in contact with her all the time via text to Marco Polo and giving her a call and all this other stuff. And I feel like, you know, you, the technology's there, use it, like connect with her in any way that feels friendly. And I'm just trying to navigate my balance between that because there's a part of me that wants to text her every moment of the day because I'm still feeling my sads and she's leaving and that's not good. But I also don't want to get she, like- She left. She's not leaving. No, she left. She left. Right. Yes. So I don't want to text her every minute of the day. And at the same time, I don't want to ignore the fact that I can check in with her once a day. You know what? I can say this in a general way. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do about that. But generally speaking, it's a very similar uh, parenting predicament, right? Like how much do I get involved? How much do I not get involved? And we start to really get focused on our history or what Mm -hmm. our parents did or what used to happen. And I think the truth is you got to take it moment by moment. And as you know, uh, as I was just telling JC, um, you know, do the next right thing or do the next thing that feels right and don't make a plan. Yeah. Um, so the point is, is that you just, if you're like, I've, if I see something and I want to text her, I'm going to, I do that with Cameron and Skylar too. I do that with my girlfriends. I don't think to, there's two things that I've really let go of, um, in my older years is number one, I don't worry about, will someone think this is dumb or will someone get this? If I thinking about someone, I let them know. Mm -hmm. I text them or send them something. The second thing is, is that um, I kind of feel like that's the, you know, I also know that there are periods of time that I don't connect with somebody and I trust that then that's not the right time. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I used to be like, oh, wait a second, I have to send something every day or or wait a second, it's three o'clock, I should think about this person. And that is not intuitive and 
I don't think, I think that's being rigid and creating a schedule and possibly being superstitious. So what I hear you saying is don't make any rules and just be present with whatever feels right in that moment. Exactly. That's it. So we'll talk about all that later, but today let's, you want to move on to something else? Do you know the definition of anxiety as it says on my computer? It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, I would say that the way I want to start this conversation is to talk about the fact that sometimes the way we discuss anxiety is um, we say things like, I have anxiety, Mm -hmm. or we say, I am anxious, Mm. or we say, um, you know my whole life I've dealt with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And and these are phrases that probably I have said or you have said or people tend to say, but it really is um, not always what's happening. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that we are human beings and all human beings experience some degree of anxiety. It's a um, an experience of being human where you start to perceive some kind of threat and your body physiologically responds, mm-hmm. right? You sometimes you start to sweat or yeah. you start to your heart starts to race and it can, you know, your mind is racing and there's a lot of concern and then we try to be protective um in whatever way, like we either, you know, fight, flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. Um and that is our bot that is our human way of staying alive and safe. So let me throw a curveball at you at the beginning. What's the difference between, because when I think of the uncomfortable emotions, I always go with fear, sadness, or anger. I think anxiety or anxiousness is closely in line with fear. Uh Uh-huh. If I challenge, you know, what's the difference between fear and anxiety? Or is it just anxiety is a type of fear? Well, you can like discuss a fear or feel a fear without having anxiety attached to it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like say that you are on a roller coaster and you're experiencing fear. You may not be anxious. present moment. Exactly. Like I think anxiety is a more... Um, like you, in order to truly feel fear, you need to be in the moment. But in order to truly feel anxiety, you need to be out of the moment. Yeah. Like, and I think the way I look at it, I'm actually right now, um, I, I'm I'm going to read something that's very specific to this. In general, fear is a reaction to a specific observable danger, while anxiety is is, is a diffused, kind of unfocused, future-oriented mm. Fear. Did you say unfocused? Yeah. So it's interesting because sometimes like, I'm anxious. What are you anxious about? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. Whereas I'm afraid I might get hit by a car that's like specific. Right. Okay. So fear is then anxiety that is attached to a specific thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like- Okay, that helps me. Oh. And I think it's important what you just said is instead of saying, I am anxious, I think where you were going to yes. go is right now I am presently feeling anxious. Correct. So- I am feeling anxious is very different than I am anxious yes. because you are not anxious. You are you. Yeah. You are right now. Exper- now, people who have uh, diagnosed, they have anxiety disorders, either generalized anxiety, anxiety disorders yeah. or something that falls under that anxiety umbrella. Basically, what that means is they may experience it more often mm-hmm. than others, or they may have something like a panic, you know, they may have panic attacks. So they have more of a physical response to their anxiety. So it's either happens more often or when it does happen, it's frequency bigger. bigger. Right. And, but, but even with that, like this is, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, 
I'm going to say something that I don't know if all the therapists say, uh, and just with with my own anxiety that I well see I'm calling it my own anxiety when I have felt anxiety, um, I no matter how big or small it is because I've had panic attacks. Uh, you know, I've had a, a pretty significant anticipatory anxiety. I've had, you know, that kind of thing. But I still think we can talk about it in a way that can separate it from us somewhat. Because as soon, I have no problem with diagnoses if they are helpful in A, helping us understand ourselves, B, maybe getting a medicine or some kind of treatment yeah. to help us, and C, you know, the, the business end of it, making sure our insurance pays for what we need. Yeah. That's, that's when diagnosis helps. But I also believe that we don't have to become the thing. Yeah. Like we can... There needs to be a differentiation, yeah. a separation. And, you know, we all do this. You just accidentally stumbled on it too. Yes. And the important differentiator is if you say that you're feeling something, that the feelings are temporary versus I am anxious and that like encapsulates my my beingness. That's who I am at all times. Which isn't true. And the thing is, is I can say this, that that I do feel, uh, you know, 20 years of professional experience, my own experience, experience with my children, I have watched and helped and been a part of, and again, experienced myself, anxiety that if we can do things to use tools, practice talking about it, um, be thoughtful about who we talk with and who who is supporting us, you know, get, get clinical help, you can separate mm-hmm. from your anxiety. It doesn't mean it goes away because yeah. you, again, remember you're human who has anxiety, but... I was just talking to someone this morning and they were talking about someone who in their life, who they love very much, who experiences anxiety. And they said they just really refuse to get any kind of help because they don't want the help. They, they don't want to say out loud, I'm having this. And I, I mean, I can't encourage parents and kids and anybody who's listening to this enough to say, ask for help because it can make it better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how to say this anymore. You know, it's kind of like, oh, oh my God, I can use this as an example. So everybody, I've been wanting to share this. I, you know, I get headaches um, and I have for a long time. Those of you who listen to the show know this. I get migraine headaches. And I finally decided for my 50th birthday, I'm going to go see a neurologist. And I've had medicine for headaches, but I've never really asked for help. Mm -hmm. Like medicine, yes, but that's from my general practitioner. I've never gone to someone and said, can you help me? You know, and and dad, I just called you dad. Todd actually said to me about three weeks ago when I was having a really bad headache, or it was probably a month ago, he said, people just aren't caring for you the right way. And it really hit me hard. Like, I'm not even asking for anyone to care for me. So how could anyone care for me? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this all by myself without any medical experience. But like, what is this? Did yeah, you want well, to say you, something? You spend a lot of time on Googling WebMD. Right. How do I get rid of my migraines? Right. And you're not looking at to the, obviously, general practitioner. Like we've had m- multiple conversations. God bless all the general practitioners out there. But they need to look at a lot of different things and be aware of a lot of different things. They can't things. be experts on every subject. So you went to the expert. I did. And, you know, after trying, you know, and it's funny, I was talking to your sister about this. It's funny when you have a, a, a challenge, like we'll just use migraine headaches. And if you tell people, they'll be like, have you done this? Have you done this? My friend did this. Have you used essential oils? Have you, you know, squeezed your 
pressure points and acupuncture. I mean, and and I know you guys know this, but I've done all those things. Have you drank water, sweetie? <laughs> I've done. Have you gotten enough sleep? And I not only have I done those things, I've done, I've layered them. I've yeah. done ten of them for months or yeah. years. Like in and it's not I wouldn't say none of it helps because you can decrease your stress sure. and that helps, but they were still there. Sure. So I finally am am trying a treatment, a preventative treatment. Um and I'm so uh, optimistic and just feel cared for. And I don't feel as afraid or overwhelmed that I have to do something about it, yeah. that I feel like I have a team now. And that's exactly what I'm trying to say about for those of you who are like, I feel anxious more often than I would like to. And if you do, please know that you aren't alone because there's COVID and there is a lot of change and unpredictability and political strife and issues in Afghanistan and your own family challenges and your children growing up. I mean, of course you're feeling anxiety. Like, I just want to like, like my head is tingling while I say this, like who isn't? Mm -hmm. So if you're like, I would like some support, you don't have to wait till you're 50 years old like I did to ask for. Yeah, you could ask for support, support five years ago, but you were trying to do it all by yourself. I was. And now now with things like my mental well-being, I've been good about asking sure. for help. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but this, for some reason, was an obstacle that you had a hard time navigating. Through. And I'm not quite sure why. And I don't even know how much to unearth it because I already did. Yeah. Uh, I've already asked for the help. But it's weird how some areas of our life were like, I need help. And in others, we're like, I'll do it myself. So I got two things. One okay. is, I assume there's going to be moms and dads listening right now that say, how do my, how do I get my kid to stop being anxious? Um, because I've said that. And my first thing is how do you, how do you as the parent help yourself deal with your anxiety? So I, I think a lot of the times we just want to fix our kids and not recognize that we also have anxiety, whether it's about paying the electrical bill or whether work. it's about work or your kid's going to go to college. like COVID. So there's no, you're not going to be that good of a teacher or I'm not going to be that good of a teacher unless I'm practicing some of the things that I hope to cultivate to my kids. So that's the one thing. And then just for fun, because I always like to give resources to our listeners, I typed in, you know, on the Google commercial, it like auto-populates certain uh -huh. things. So I put hacks to reduce... And then anxiety is the fifth one. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll tell you whatever those hacks are in a second, but this is what the first four are. Hacks to reduce word count. I guess that's in a Word document. Oh, interesting. For hacks, writers. Hacks to reduce belly fat. Oh, Doesn't, boy. Hacks to reduce electricity bill. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then last is hacks to reduce period pain. Let me do it and see what mine say. Yeah. What do you, what do you hacks get? Hacks Because maybe they to know reduce. Mine's, right. Maybe they know I need period pain. Oh stuff. my God. No, mine are the exact same. The exact same hacks one. to reduce word count, hacks to reduce belly fat, hacks to reduce electricity bill, hacks to reduce period pain, hacks to reduce headache, hacks to reduce plagiarism, hacks to reduce breast size. Yeah. That's what mine are. There you go. Um, so, so do, do you mind if I just... Um, I only want you ahead. to read if we really know that it's a good... Like, oh, I, I don't want you it's to... No, it's nothing that you haven't heard. Okay. Favorite grounding hack, whoever this is from. Put one hand on your heart and one hand on your stomach. Feel your feet planted firmly on the ground. Take a deep breath in. Hold for five seconds, then breathe out. Repeat until you feel grounded and in the present moment. Like, there's a hack. Yeah, yeah. If you really know... How, you know what people say when I tell them to ground? What? That's not going to help. <laughs> Instead of trying mm -hmm. it, they'll Of just, course they will. Yeah. So that's just one hack. Maybe I'll give you some others, but go ahead, sweetie. So 
and and not and when I say that, I don't mean that what you just said isn't helpful, but sure. what people want. Okay, so this kind of this actually came up recently with someone that I was working with. She was feeling anxiety, experiencing anxiety, and she said, I already used all my tools and none of them worked. And I said, okay. And basically what she had been trying to do all day, this person, was fight off the feeling of anxiety. And she was using all the tools and it wasn't working. And so she was getting anxious about being anxious, mm -hmm. which is very common. And so the conversation I had with her is I was like, what if you just let go of all the tools for a second and feel anxious mm -hmm. and feel the anxiety? Because what is it telling you? What is it? And she first fought me on it. And then when she let go, she had a really good cry because it can feel really heavy to carry all that worry and think you need to solve it like a puzzle. Yeah. Because our mental well-being is not a problem to solve like a puzzle. It's not a mathematical equation. It's a human experience. So she had a really good cry. And then when she was done with that cry, she her she could hear better. She had set everything down and she could now pick some things up that were actually helpful. So if you're having one of those moments where you're like, none of my tools are working, maybe just surrender for a second and feel the anxiety. That's exactly what I just wrote down. Feel your feelings. Feel it. And and I know that's scary because, again, as we just said, anxiety and fear, so anxiety and fear are similar. Anxiety is reaction to our emotions versus danger. And so anxiety is like a, it's a reaction to the feeling we're having. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Where fear is an actual like experience of fear. Like we are having, um, how do I, how do, I know we said this at the beginning, but I want to make sure people can differentiate in a better way. So fear is more about like we have an experience, then we get like chills, we get like a rapid heartbeat, where anxiety is more like we start feeling nervous about mm -hmm. something, we worry about feeling fear. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Um, one of the hacks, which I think is a good one, Okay. get it out of your head. And basically she just says, uh, she likes to write a list of everything that's making her feel anxious. I think that's a really high yeah, quality hack. I do too. Write it down. Because what you will find when you're writing it down is a lot of times you won't be sure. Yeah. A lot of people tell me that they wake up sometimes and just feel anxious and they don't know why. And sometimes the anxiety is a, like, it's almost like a ghost feeling. And sometimes it could be tapping into some kind of former, I actually just watched a Sex and the City episode. Um, and this isn't like the greatest example and where we all are in life right now, but it's when Carrie and Aiden are dating. You love Aiden. Tater tot. Um, and she, they're doing well. They're doing, they're going along very well. And then all of a sudden, Carrie starts waking up in the middle of the night, freaking out. And she's not sure why. And she has this intense feeling of anxiety and she keeps cleaning out her drawers and thinking that she like forgot to pay a bill or something. And what she realizes is that she's never been in a healthy relationship. Mm. So she feels uncomfortable and anxious. Interesting. So sometimes the anxiety is actually, it's almost like a false limb. You know, it's like, it's a feeling of this is different, but it doesn't always mean it's wrong. Yeah. It doesn't always mean it's bad. Um, and so, you know, and you know, Ted, I want to go back to something you said about working on our own anxiety yeah. before we focus on our kids. So sometimes Todd and I like to go watch Heat, the movie Heat again. Oh, love it. And he said last night, this is almost becoming like a comedy to right. us, even though it's a very wonderfully done drama. Yeah. 
because we know drama all the, action movie. Yeah. Right. It's not a comedy, but you and I we have watched it lines. so much. Yeah. And we listen to uh, the uh, rewatchables, and they love this movie also. So, and they've done a bunch of podcasts on Heat, so it, we're like really deep into the you know. Yeah. So, but there's this scene where Natalie Portman in Heat is like she she has kind of an absentee father, and she's very nervous, and she can't find her barrettes, mm. and she keeps trying to get her mom's attention, and she's like, "Mom, I can't find my barrettes," and her mom, of course, is on the phone and you know not paying attention to her. And she's like, mom, you're not listening to me. I need my barrettes before I go see my dad. And then the mom is like, oh, honey, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'll help you. I'll help you. And she's like as anxious as Natalie Portman is. And that is not calming to your child. You have to be the calmer one, not match their level of anxiety. And that scene is so hard to watch because she's like rubbing her back and rubbing her spot. You know, it's like so... As parents, sometimes we just, if we are not aware of this mirror neuron thing that we have, where we experience a lot of what people have in front of us and we're unconscious, then we match their degree of anxiety. And that's not what they need. Sweetie, you want to know who else matches the degree of anxiety from somebody they're in charge of? Who? Do you know who I'm about to play? No. Uh-huh, that's what you want. You want red? No, you don't want red. You want yellow? No, you don't want yellow. You want to go home with the blue. What do you see in front of me? What do you see in front of me? You see a big blue... This is from The Best in Show. Best in Show. Best in Show. Ribbon, it's right here in front of you. You want it? You come and you grab it. You get it. She's not listening to you. She's nerd. She's freaking out. Well, get the busy bee. You want your busy bee? You get your busy bee. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. It's in the crate. It's in the crate. Why didn't you have it out to begin with? Where is the crate? It's not in here. It's not in here. It should be in the crate. It's not in the crate. I just told you that. God, Hamilton, if she doesn't get into it, she's going to flip out. <laughs> it's not in here. You left it at the hotel. You go back and you get her busy me. Oh, my God. How many of us parents have tried to calm our anxious kids down with energy like that? If you don't get it, she's going to freak out. And that is like, can you, like when we would leave one of their stuffed animals or one of their blankets and we would feel anxious about that they may feel anxious yes, later. Yes. And and we still do this. Yes, you know what I mean? Like even when our kids are older and if you're not conscious of what you're doing, you're just going to keep that cycle of anxiety. It's just going to be the air you breathe. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to shift the dynamic. And parents who are listening to this show... You are the ones. Mm-hmm. You are the chosen ones. If you decided to spend 60 minutes of your time listening <laughs> to this podcast, my guess is you're not a perfect parent, but you're at least trying to equip yourself with the tools to be the best parent you can be. To be the best you. And I know that sounds really like, you know, be your best self. I'm not trying to throw a slogan out there, but what I'm saying is instead of focusing on how can I be the best parent, take care of yourself and support yourself if you are experiencing anxiety, feeling anxiety, and that in turn helps your children. And so this is a process of shifting a dynamic. It doesn't, a lot of parents want immediate results. They want to know, you know, how do I do one, two, three magic and make my children change? And how do I tell them the perfect thing so they're never nervous again? And how do I coerce them into doing things I want them to do? Sometimes those things can happen and they or not happen. They will work for a moment, but they will not work over a lifetime Mm -hmm. and they probably won't work more than a time or two. If you really want something to be sustaining, it's about how you carry yourself. Doesn't mean you can't be anxious. Let me be clear. 
You can feel anxiety and still be able to calm yourself in the midst of a challenge. That's called consciousness. That's awareness. That's what self-awareness is. Yeah. Um, the next life hack, it says change your perspective on anxiety. And I don't quite... Uh, it says when you see anxiety as a way as a way your body is giving you information, it stops you from thinking, oh, something is wrong with me. I have an anxiety disorder. It serves a very functional purpose purpose for many people. Maybe you need to focus on slowing down more, improve self-care, blah, blah, blah. Todd, I love that one. Yeah. I think that's one of the, that's kind of what I'm talking about with- But most of us experience anxiety, at least I experience anxiety in my head with my thoughts. And I, what this is helping me understand, and maybe you're going to interrupt, and maybe you're going to help me with this, it's- our body truly is experiencing something. And I shut that down most of the time and I choose not to even listen to it. And I think what this is saying is listen to whatever body signals you're, it's giving you, right? It's a message. Yeah. Like just think about that, you know, just to kind of keep this not so um, heavy. Think about the example I just used from Sex in the City. What was the experience? Like Carrie's having anxiety. She's waking up in the middle of the night. She's like, what is this all about? I don't like this feeling. And all it was telling her is you are in a healthy relationship right now. Are you noticing that this is the way that it would feel? And and it's just information. Like, and if she hadn't, you know, it had that feeling of discomfort, then she probably wouldn't know to appreciate the moment she was in. So I feel like, no, I don't feel like, I know for a fact, because we know this as clinicians and we know this as human beings, all of our feelings are trying to give us a message. Mm. Anxiety can feel significantly uncomfortable. I Todd and I did a show a couple weeks ago about how sometimes people describe difficult feelings in like a really airy-fairy way. Like they'll be like, oh, just breathe in the sadness and breathe it out and then you'll feel okay. No, no. Sadness feels shitty. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, it does. Uh, anxiety feels crappy. You're not trying to... By definition, it's not comfortable, but can you practice allowing it to move through, allowing the feelings to move through and investigating it a little bit on either side of that, yeah. you know, coin, yeah. like before you, you allow the emotion to go through or after, like, what is this? But in the middle, just let your body experience whatever it is, it's experiencing. Exactly. So I wanted to um, read something that I thought was really cool. I got it from uh, the Latinx parenting page, which I love on Instagram. And it, it says the stress response in kids. This is how it looks. Okay. You ready? There's three different types, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. As we know, this is how it looks in kids. So fight, it's yelling, screaming, using mean words. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, hitting, kicking, biting, throwing, punching, blaming, deflecting, defensive, demanding, controlling, non-compliant, um, or irritable, angry, furious, aggressive, offended. So that's a stress response in kids. So when your kids are having that reaction, they are in the fight stress response. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. Flight stress response looks like this. Wanting to escape, running away, unfocused, hard to pay attention, fidgeting, restlessness, hyperactivity, preoccupied, trying to stay busy with everything but the thing that yep. they're, you know, um, procrastinating, avoiding, ignoring, moving away from what's bothering them, um, panicked, scared, overwhelmed. Mm. So that's what flight looks like. Yeah. 
Freeze. This is what freeze looks like. Shutting down, mind goes blank. Urge to hide, isolate. Verbally unresponsive says, I don't know mm-hmm. a lot. Difficulty with completing tasks, zoned out, unable to move, feeling stuck, numb, bored, apathetic, helpless. All three of these, fight, flight, or freeze, are stress responses. And if we can see them that way, you know, these are, and I'm saying they're stress responses because it's how our body is dealing with the anxious feelings we are feeling. And so a lot of times we're trying to, when our kids are in the midst of these experiences, we're trying to punish them or make them feel guilty. So what you're trying to do is change the perspective on, oh, my kid is just choosing all these fight responses when in fact, all he is doing- He, she, or- Yeah, all they they are doing is responding in a way to the stress that, at least in that moment, the only way they know how. Perfect. So they're not trying to make your life difficult- Instead, they're reacting slash responding in in the best way they know how in this moment. So that's like just a radical perspective shift. It is, and, and it can change, it can develop your compassion around, because I think a lot of parents, you know how you were saying before you weren't sure what to do with JC, mm-hmm. like, should I call, should yeah. I not call? Parents really get stuck in that too when their kid is being either zoned out or oppositional. They'll be like, I don't know who to be here. Do I be like my dad was? Do I teach them a lesson? Do I, do I ignore it? Mm. Do I, cause we have all these parenting beliefs in our head that sometimes just, we don't know which one to grab. Well, and there could be some anxiety inside Correct. of me. So in the way I'm choosing to deal with this, my stress response regarding how I interact with my daughter now that she's gone to college is saying, I don't know, should I do this or should I do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. That's the, that's the freeze part. That is. And that is, and and saying like I don't know what to do here and taking a breath is better than yelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in your own mind saying I don't know what to do here and taking a step away and then coming back to it is better than saying something you'll regret. Well, and from a conscious above the line place and I was taking your advice, your advice was just do the next thing. Yeah. Maybe you call right now. Yeah. Maybe you don't call right now. Yeah. But ju- instead of being indecisive, right which is a reaction to my anxiety of how do I interact with my daughter, yeah. just make a decision from this non-anxious place. In this moment, yeah. rather than make a decision that is going to be your like overarching yeah, decision. Right. Like, this, okay. This is going to be my policy. Exactly. Policies. Yeah. Oh my God. Parenting policies. Like I get rules and boundaries and structure. I really do. And kids need them to feel safe. Like, you know, you need to be home by 12 mm. or you need, you know, whatever yeah. those things are. You put those guardrails in. But parents who are like, my policy is that. And then they become a slave to their policy. Exactly. It, they become like they have to adhere here to it mm-hmm. rather than have some flexibility instead it's almost like a parenting manifesto that ends up backfiring on you we had a zen talk last oh, friday yeah, and uh, it was Zen talk 126 and we talked about 13 year old daughter crassness like her daughter was telling like she jokes. was just saying innuendo yeah uh, a mom who has cancer but the last one i want to talk about the the last woman teammate that we talked to that she had a 14-year-old that she just removed his phone privileges away. Uh-huh. And it was about that very thing is like, can you be fluid with this as mm-hmm. opposed to rigid with it? Yeah. And she she had a really good head yeah, on her shoulders about did. this. I really think the more we talked about it, she knew what she wanted to do. But, you know, just to kind of broaden that discussion, like if you 
if you have a policy with the phone, let's mm-hmm. use that, and your kids break the rule, you may say, okay, now I have to take the phone. I have no choice. You're going to start using words like to stay in my integrity. I'm going to keep this phone from them and I'm never going to let them see it until, you know, two weeks from now. And, and we start using words like integrity to almost like bind us to this idea. And integrity means being in alignment with yourself and what's right for you in the moment. Integrity is not just, and why I'm saying that is like an example she gave with her kid is he was starting school the next week and he was going to start needing to use his phone, not just for socialization, but to talk with the teachers. teachers. Yeah. So she's like, so how do I do this? And we were like, open that door of a possible middle place yeah. of like renegotiation, maybe at night or a few times a day, he checks his phone with you to make sure he's not missing anything when it comes to schoolwork and that you don't have to say, I got to hold the line in this very rigid place because I said I would. Because you start making up stories about if I do this, then they're going to they're gonna take advantage of me here and here and here so and then here. Then they'll start sleeping in their bed again and they won't walk anymore. That's right. Do you know how parents are always like, if I do this, they'll never walk. Yeah. If I don't take their pacifier away at this time, they'll have it until high school. These are all made up stories. Yeah. There are so many ways that we can stay connected to our children and support them in them doing the next right thing without rigidity. Like think, let's get a little bit, um, you know, let's get Zen about this. Like when we think about a tree, if the branches are really rigid and the wind is blowing, what's going to happen to them? They're going to crack. They're going to crack and break. Yeah. But if the branches, the reason that trees have leaves mm-hmm. is so they can blow mm-hmm. and they can like, it can like move back and forth and have a little more fluidity and, you know, flexibility. That's when a tree can stay mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. So it's like, think about these like nature kind of examples where this rigidity that you want to hold on to because you said you would it may make you feel strong in the moment, but you're actually defeating what you want to do. And so, and again, remember, you you can still hold the line. Yeah, and if you are, and one thing we said to this team teammate is, um, you maybe the answer is to hold the line. That might be. But the can answer. you do it from this conscious place and not this spiteful, angry place? Can you just hold the line with love and compassion? Exactly, because again, don't take what we're saying to mean that never yeah. hold your kids accountable or don't have boundaries. That's not what we're saying. But have some human understanding and common sense inside the boundaries. Yeah, and I think what I said to her is like, tell your kid, like, you get it. Like, if you're pissed at me right now, I get I it because you're the only one of your 14-year-old friends that don't have their phone. I told, like, can you empathize yeah. with it even though they did break their agreement? Um, before we move on... Um, so we do two Zen Talks a month. We've done 125 of these suckers. First month is free, 25 bucks a month. Uh, if you enter the coupon code FRIEND, I don't know when our next one's going to be. I'm still waiting to hear back from the team to see the next time slot. But uh, we would love for you to join our team. We have about 110 or so people on the team, and it's just real-time support. So, so Todd, I have a question. Yeah. Which is your stress response, fight, flight, or freeze? Generally speaking? Yeah, what do you what do? You do? Uh, it's definitely not fight. Okay. Um, freeze is probably my my go-to. Because mm. I don't think I bail on a situation. I think I'm more like frozen. Well, but what about 
fidgeting, hyperactivity, preoccupied, getting preoccupied busy. Preoccupied for sure. Getting flight. busy. All yeah. right, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I think it's flight. Avoidant, and- ignoring, moving away from what feels threatening. Yeah, flight sounds better than freeze yeah. when you say that again. I'm freeze for sure. I think I'm because flight. Because I shut down. I'm bailing. Yeah, you and you don't bail like run away in a obvious way. You run away in a socially normative way. And I also run away in my head. Correct. Yeah. Like I kind of feel like when um you know, like and, and this is very human. It's like, you know, if Todd feels tenseness or discomfort in me, he will I was just telling him this last week. He'll ask a question like how are you doing? But he can't really go into it. He just asks the question and then kind of moves away from it because it's uncomfortable. You're human. Mm-hmm. I would probably, I probably do the same thing with you sometimes. Like, I don't really want to go there right now, mm-hmm. you know. But it is, it's like you can sometimes go through the motions, but you're still moving away from what feels threatening sure. rather than moving toward fighting. Sometimes it's moving toward what feels threatening and kind of getting in the face of it. Yeah. And I don't mean this in a positive way. Sure. Like someone who's like, you're going to tell me what's yeah. going, you know. Yeah, we, and then, got, we all have friends or maybe maybe that's how you choose. Right. Like some people step into conflict right. in an unhealthy way. Some people avoid conflict in an unhealthy way. That's me. Well, and I think that for me as a freeze person, and this is, it's kind of like love languages where you should probably know the stress response and the people you love because it'll make me make more sense and make you make more sense because yeah. I do shut down. So sometimes when you say, how are you doing? I can't give you a big soliloquy about how I'm doing because I'm very shut down. Right. So if you understand that I'm verbally unresponsive or I can't really say what I need to say, that doesn't mean I don't have anything to say. And for some reason, I feel like just that understanding, if you can understand how your kids tick or how your partner ticks, like if you know that this is typically what they do, uh, it at least gives you an indicator of how to reconnect. Correct. Or understanding that they're having a stress response and this is not a time to be punitive. Yeah, right. This is like a, you know, like it was one of my kids tells me all the time, sometimes when I'm shut down like that, I just need a hug Mm -hmm. so I can come back into myself. She doesn't use all this language, but she wants to come back into herself where she can actually have a conversation. Yeah. You know, when our kids slam the door and say, I don't know, it doesn't mean that they really don't know or that they're fine. It means they're shut down. You ready for the last life hack? Yes, please. Set aside worry time. The last thing you should do is give yourself permission to worry, right? Not necessarily. Many people with anxiety find a daily worry break helpful. Most people who struggle with anxiety are struggling with overthinking and being able to turn their mind off. So here's how to take a worry break. Set aside 15 minutes per day to give yourself permission to worry. Try to take your worry break at the same time each day. If your worry shows up at any other time of the day, write it down so that you know you'll be able to worry about it later during the worry time. Hmm. That's interesting. What do you think about that? I've never done it. And I don't know if I would have the discipline to try it out, but it sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Like Like just worry. It's, this is completely different, but remember that woman whose face was disfigured because of the fire? Yes. And, and Oprah's like, how do you go on? Because her face, it didn't even look, she, it's significant, significant. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I let myself cry for like 20 minutes in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's different than what we're talking about here, but mm-hmm. it's almost like set aside time so that when the other 14 hours and 45 minutes that you're awake in the day, just know that you'll be able to come back to it between 9 and 9.15. You know, what's interesting is I'm relating this to my meditation because that's actually what my meditation mm. is. 
I let all those thoughts. That's really to me what meditation is, is I let every thought in my head just be free. Yeah. And I look at it and I feel it too. I'm not, you know, so evolved that I'm not experiencing it. Um, but I just let it kind of fly in front of my face. And yeah. then eventually um, I start to realize that they are thoughts, but that takes a good 10 minutes sure. while they all kind of, it's why I don't want to sit down and meditate. Mm-hmm. Like when people are like, oh, I sit down and meditate and it's just this blissful experience. I'm like, well, we're having different experiences yeah. because sometimes when I sit down, I just need to look at everything in my head and realize that that has been there all day long. And that if I can then separate from it a bit, it's not so threatening. Yeah. But that's what brains do. They they have thoughts and we have to question the truthfulness of the thoughts we're having. Mm. But you can't do that unless you can see them. Mm. And you can't see them unless you sit still. Right. So it's just such a process. So um, so I'm, I'm done. Good. I'm done. Do you have anything left? No, I, I'm going to go do other things. You're going to go do other things. Yes. Um, what else? Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Um, men Living, ToddAdamsCoaching.com, one-on-one coaching. Uh, I just coach guys. First session's free. And don't forget about September 15th. September 15th. That's right. Not Again, the book comes out in February, but September 15th is when all the marketing begins. So I can start showing the book and talking about it more because it's, I like it. We should, yeah, well, there's plenty that we have planned <laughs> yes. in bringing the book to the podcast. Yes, we do. Um, all right, everybody, keep trucking. Have a good day. See you next Tuesday. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content, and an awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen, where you'll get zero pressure and 100% support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com. Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe. A special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low pressure, 75 minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org. Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human. And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Craft at avidco.net. He is a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.